I have a little video to show you before my friend comes up. Uh, Sam is preaching tonight. He, he took an eye. I've been in the Sierras all week uh, with the youth group, uh, those who went with us. And it was a great trip, but not really a lot of time or place to prep being in the backcountry for four days. So Sam said he would uh, fill in for me this week. We will continue, Mark, next week. We'll, we'll finish up Mark um, in two weeks. And then uh, in August, I, I'm trying to set, figure out the dates, but we're going to be starting the book of Revelation. And uh, Re- the book of Revelation is actually never, <laughs> we have not yet taught through it in this church. So uh, I'm pretty excited about that, and I hope uh, you'll be excited too. For um, The key to the Revelation is the, the worship of Jesus Christ, and so we're going to be teaching through that starting in August. So that's what's coming after Mark. But for now, I want to welcome up Sam Vialta. He's a brother in school ministry. He shares testimony. And I'm going to play this video first before he comes up. So we'll do that. Good evening, you guys. My name is Sam Vialta, and uh, this video was just promoting the ministry that I'm helping out with and the program that I'm involved with in Irvine, California. We are Vision City Church, and we're throwing uh, these events called Monday Night Live, and it's at the Spectrum and at the Improv. And um, the reason I wanted to show it is because we want to reach out to the Orange County community, and we want to partner up with as many churches as possible. The fact that uh, Dave was not only my friend uh, during school of ministry, but then he ended up becoming one of my professors. Uh, (laughs) I feel a really tight connection with this uh, congregation, and I've been here a couple times, so I've gotten to know, there's a couple familiar faces here. So um, I wanted to extend that invitation out to you guys as well. Uh, Follow up mondaynightlive.com. And you can find out details. It's a great evangelistic opportunity to just bring people who just, who's like, you know what, I don't really do that church thing, you know, but they'll go to a comedy club. So the, the purpose is to bring those people that normally, just the fact that you mention church or abstain from it. We all, we all have those friends, right? We all have someone in our family like that. And you can just bring them there. It's kind of like a neutral place, but they will hear the gospel, and that's the most important thing. Am I clipping? Is that me? Is that my beard? (laughs) Well, you guys, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, We'll be in John chapter 8 tonight. You seem kind of tall, Dave. You're too tall. (laughs) And um, we're going to talk about something considering everything that's going on in the world today. And I believe this message that God's been impressing on my heart, I want to call this a family discussion. You know, I feel like right now we're at home and you guys are my extended family. And I feel like we need to have a discussion, a little pep rally. We're going to be talking about the subject of light. And specifically, we're going to be speaking about the light of Christ. And when I mention terms like this, if you've grown up in the church, maybe you've grown up with, um, I'm sorry, am I, okay, make sure you let me know what I need to do. Um, you guys ever hear terminologies at churches and you grew up and you're like, you know, that's so cliche or that sounds like a Christian bumper sticker. You know, uh, we, we even use terms in uh, everyday life. Like, I used to be a personal trainer, and I lost 100 pounds. And if people would be like, well, how'd you lose all that weight? 
what do you think my typical answer was? Check, 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 okay. You know, we say, uh, just diet and exercise, right? Cliche answer. Do you, do you, we have uh, terms like that in, in uh, the church. We give out people, yeah, the light of Christ, man. What do you mean, the, what does that even mean? And we're going to focus in on exactly what that means tonight. See, Jesus stated that he is the light of the world. And Christ's proclamation to being the light of the world solidifies one thing, and that is his deity. He was standing before a group of religious leaders saying that I am the light of the world, that I am in control, and I have authority over everything. So with that, you guys, would you pray with me right now before we get into this word? Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for the opportunity to gather together, Lord, free, able to just come and sit and worship and open up our Bibles without worrying, Lord, about people coming in and raiding this church, Lord, holding us up at gunpoint, Father, Lord. We thank you for those freedoms, Lord. But Father, Lord, we are aware that we are living in an ever-present world that seems to be darkening, Lord. Father, and for many of us, Lord, as believers, we are discouraged, Lord, to see just how much the darkness is winning, Father. Lord, it can be overwhelming, Father, Lord, that the darkness is just pressing. Looking to do away with anything that is light, anything that is truth. But, Father, we just thank you, Lord, that you say that you're one light that cannot be put out in this world. That you are in control. You remain sovereign, Father. You are seated on your throne. There is no emergency sessions of the Holy Trinity. You don't pace back and forth, Father, Lord. Everything is going according to what you will, Father. May we find confidence in that. May we walk in that, Lord. Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. Make us aware of your presence. And we just ask that you do what you do best. Show up and show off. We thank you, Lord, and we ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. John chapter 8. That's where we're at. But you guys are probably wondering, oh, no, do we have a power outage? It's crazy how the darkness, how it just seeps in. You're very aware of it right away. You're, you're saying there is something that's missing. There is something that's lacking. It's already taking you off focus. I want you to imagine for a second to be in a place where it's encumbered by darkness. That your only source of light is a headlamp. See, in October... 13th, 
I hope that's not in someone's eye. 2010, the world stand in anticipation to see the fate of 33 Chilean miners. These miners got trapped under 2,300 feet of mountain. Their whole world for two months, you guys, was utter darkness. I got a chance to research some of the survivor's stories, and one survivor, his name is Mario Sepulveda, gave an account. He says, we were in total darkness, not knowing if it was night or day. The heat was oppressive. Man, we feel them right now, right? <laughs> Just humid and sticky. We felt as if the devil was down here with us. We were praying and praying, but we just felt we were in an utter dark black hole. We were buried alive. We were all so scared, even though we were used to moving around the darkness. You see, we were miners. This is what we do. We are capable men in the dark. But there came a point where the darkness even turned our spirits low. Now, these Chilean miners weren't without light. They had headlamp light just like this one right here. And they were also stuck with a bunch of vehicles. There was a couple of trucks. But see, they had to conserve the light. The light became a commodity. It became of great value to them. Mario says that we used the light to work, and we used it to treat ourselves when we ate, when we gathered around. The light was there to lift our morale, but we had to conserve it, so we still had days of darkness. Later on, he goes on and tells about their deliberation and how the older miners, how to keep the younger miners from losing their mind, to not lose hope. And it wasn't until the drill from those rescue workers broke down through the rock that they saw their hope. And their hope didn't come in as a big, shining piece of light. There's zooming spotlight that shined in on them. He said that their hope was when they saw the very little lamps of their rescue worker facing down on them. The light had touched them once again. It didn't matter how abundant the light source was. It was the fact that once again, they had hope that they would see the light of day once again. Amazing, huh? Just right now, how illuminated. All of a sudden, your world has changed and everything that you see in your perspective is put into place, into proper origin. We're going to read John chapter 8, and we're going to start in verse 12, and we're going to read through verse 20. Again, Jesus spoke to them, and I read in the ESV version. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisee said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, 
If I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true, for I know where I came from and where I am going. But you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law, it is written that the testimony of two is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. You knew me. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. Church, I call this a family meeting. It's a family discussion. And at some point in our walk, we have to go from seeing Jesus, this little cute baby Jesus, inside the nativity scene. Right? Right? Oh, I like baby Jesus better. Everyone loves a baby. We need to take him out of this nativity scene and see for Jesus for who he really is. See, many prone to wander, many are prone to be anxious because they have yet to realize Jesus came and he meant business. And he was authority. He came in the flesh. What we have before us right here is the second great I am statement. He said, I am the light of the world. And it's amazing that till this day, 2,000 years later, you guys, this still is a very relevant statement to us. You're like, how is that, Sam? How many people you see rebelling against Buddha? Right? How many people try to rebel against Muhammad? You can't. How many people do you see try to snuff out the light of self-realization, meditation, Hindi gods, everything else that Dave taught us in apologetics class. <laughs> it's not a non-issue. What's the issue that they have today with? Say it. Come on, church. And isn't it funny that we start seeing everything that the Bible told us was going to be happening in this world, it's happening right before us. And yet we meet so many Christians Defeated. Oh, I, I, I work with the co-worker. His whole plan is he wants to leave and he wants to run to the mountains. He's like a big wilderness guy. He's like, I'm just going to stock up and all this stuff. And I'm like, this is a school ministry grad from 20 years ago. I was like, that is not your purpose as a believer. What does the light have to do in a mountain hidden in a cave? The world is what needs the light. You were called to work the front lines. And you're like, man. I'm going to start preaching, you guys. Hold on, you know. So, you guys, what we learn is, you guys are Bible students. Who's here as Bible student? Who brought their Bibles today? All right, all right. That's what I want to see. Bible students. Okay. When we read a passage, we got to find out context. So it's like, what is Jesus talking about? Why is he even bringing up this statement? So, if you read in verse 20, 
where is Jesus at? Is it the treasury? Is it the temple? This is a very common practice with Jesus and the disciples. Every time that you see them going into a new town, where is it that they started preaching first? Come on, church. Synagogue, a.k.a. church. So I think it's appropriate that the message goes to the church first. Because if the church doesn't believe it, how is the world going to believe it, church? That's what we're going to learn about today. We're going to learn three things about the light. We're going to learn about the source of the light, the power of illumination, and that the light beckons us to respond. He starts off in the church. He goes to the temple. Now, in the temple, it's a big square, right? I got to go to Israel. It was awesome to be up on the Temple Mount. It was a great experience. I highly recommend it. I know I sound like every guy that's ever said that, but that's one of those things, that, another cliche that's just like, yeah, you got to go to Israel. So on the Temple Mount, right, and there's different layers. If you read the Levitical accounts of how everything was supposed to be set up, you start seeing the purpose for that. Can you guys hear me? Am I good? Okay. So when you walk in, you had the first court. The first court, that's where the Gentiles were at. Gentiles, who here is Jewish? Jewish descent. Nobody? You're a Gentile, so that's us. Those are our great-grandpappies. You know, they were allowed to be right there, first court. Then the second court was for the women. And alongside the second court, there was the treasury. And in the treasury, there would be 13 boxes, and they would be shaped like horns. And that's where people would come in and start offering different types of offerings, and they would dump it in there. You know, and Jesus is just chilling there, you know, right before church, having his donut and his coffee. And, you know, he's just sitting in the courtyard, and he's observing. And you, and you got to wonder, it's like, wow, like all of a sudden Jesus just started blouting out, I'm the light of the world. Well, if we read on and we see the context of where we're at, you see we got to know the time frame of where we're at. You know, we have different seasons here, different holidays. If there was still a Christmas tree here right now, we'd be like, dude, Dave, come on, bro. Like, <laughs> you got to get that thing out of here. You got to put that in the attic. You know, you're six months early. Although Walmart probably disagree, you know. <laughs> All of a sudden, it's August, and it's like, what? Thanksgiving stuff already out there? But um, the time frame of this story, I mean, of this account is during the time of the Feast of Tabernacle and the, 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 the Feast of Booths. And have you guys heard of that? It's called Sakuot in the Hebrew. And the festival was basically for the Jews to build these makeshift tents and they would light them up. And then the temple would be lit up with these huge, gigantic candelabras. And you, they celebrate this till this day. And it's supposed to remember those days that they were in the wilderness and God had provided for them shelter, that they were wandering, that they provided them light. But see, we as believers, we see past all this ceremonialism and we start seeing that all that was a shadow to Christ, that Christ is our sustainer, that Christ is the one that lights our path. He's the one 
that illuminates our world. And Jesus, with masterful timing, hits the people with the great I am statement. He says, I am. See, back in chapter 6, he uses the same thing with the imagery of the wilderness. In chapter 6, he talked about he is the bread of life. And he used that contrast, and he's speaking to his people, his culture. He's saying, you, you think that you're performing one thing, but I want you to know this thing that you are performing, it's me. And then in chapter 7, he starts talking about the water that's gushing from the rock. He says, I am the living water. Those who drink from me will never thirst again. He's saying, once again, this churchy thing, this cutesy thing that you've been doing, hello, I'm right here. I'm the real deal. That's just been a shadow of who I am. He says, you'll never thirst for me again. Thirst from what, Sam? What, are you, what is he talking about? How many times have you been lied to about the world? You know, make more money. Your life's going to be awesome. It's funny because... How many millionaires do you hear of that just their life is just in shambles? So obviously money's not it. How many, I mean, I, I look at what the world looks at for like, you know, the playboy guy or like the super athlete or all these things that we're supposed to, but yet somehow they don't find contentment and satisfaction. They have all the things that we are striving for to maintain, but yet they are not satisfied. Why is that? Why am I always longing for something more? You know, my pastor Gary, he shared that. He was just like, why is that we, with all the pleasures that we have available to us, now we're legislating the fact that, hey, it's cool. Do whatever you want. Go for it. Go wild. Yet, we still feel broken. We still feel thirsty. We're longing for after something else. And now, let me hit you with this. Now, we start seeing this darkness set into the society. And Jesus is stepping in and he's just saying, I am the light of the world. Those who are abiding in me will never walk in darkness. Saying that no matter how dark it gets outside, you will never walk in darkness. You will always have that hope, that light that's just popping in. And guess what? Because I'm abiding in you, you're going to be that light for somebody else. You guys tracking? Are we getting there? So all these things God is saying, all these religious ceremonies are for you to remember how I was faithful through you, through that. And then the people, how did they respond? Yeah, Jesus, you're right, dude. You're Messiah. No, quite the opposite. They challenged him. How many of y'all know believers that like to challenge Jesus? Well, does the Bible really say, like, I can't really sleep with my boyfriend or girlfriend? Or... I mean, you know, we're always trying to find that legal loophole. We challenge Jesus all the time. Well, Jesus, I mean, you know my circumstance. That's funny, because you're giving me the same excuses that my people gave me a long time ago. See, the statement of deity that he's giving, he's proclaiming to these religious leaders is like, you of all people, 
y'all should know that what I'm speaking, you already know. That just in the name Messiah alone is the name of life. Why aren't you recognizing that? That's a question we have to ask ourselves. See, it's in him and through him that God's attributes are shining forth. In John 1, 4 through 5, it says, Life was in him, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, yet the darkness did not overcome it. You guys, our role is like the role of the moon. We are just simply here to reflect the light of the sun. A.K.A. Bill Wickham song. <laughs> so, point number one, the light source. Well, Sam, what, what's all this? What's this whole light source thing about? Well, where's the source of light coming from? We just talked about why is this world trying to darken? You guys, the world has been trying to get, eradicate Messiah since the beginning. Let's just take it to this past you know, even in the 1900s. Do you ever wonder why people don't even want to listen? I mean, let's look at Nazi Germany. 60 million slain. Communist Russia. 20 million slain. Communist China. 17 million. Japan before World War I. 12 million. Current day Middle East with ISIS. And this is like from a couple months ago, so... It's probably grown more than that. Over 5,500 and counting, according to the UN. Christians. But see, you guys, the light doesn't only extend to us. No, no, no. See, we are tapping into the source of light, but it's extending to the light of the world. I want you guys to keep that in mind. How are we going to engage this culture? Because Jesus is the God of this whole world. It doesn't even matter what people... No, that's not my God or whatever. No, he reigns supreme over all. And the same love that he loves you and forgives you with, he loves with those ISIS members who are drowning people alive in video. Or the Boko Haram people who slain all those little girls. You name any atrocious thing, God still loves that person and desires relationship with them. Jesus is the light of the poor. He's the light of the rich, the adult, the juvenile, the very bright and the very foolish. Thank God, amen, because... I fall in that last category. Jesus stands forth today as the light of the world more than ever, you guys. As we shut down those lights, what stuck out to you the most? Tell me. We had like a little emergency with the light of this door was peeking through. These little filler lights. Am I right? Takes us to point number two, the power of illumination. A light's main purpose is to shine, to illuminate, 
for life to happen. Guess what, you guys? No sun. What happens? No life. I got to visit the observatory recently. My, my aunt came to visit from Texas. And I haven't been there since I was a kid. And I'm standing up there. And it's just awesome. To, it was breathtaking views of the sunset and all that. And I'm listening to just how accurate and perfect this universe has to be in order for it to function. And like to hear this tour guide talking about the sun and, you know, the rotation of the earth. And they're like, man, just think about it, you guys. Just, you know, a fraction of a degree, you know, and we'd be burnt toast. But there's no God. It all happened by accident. So close, but yet so far. The source of light, you guys, there's no life without it. Jesus is saying, I am the source of this life that you want. It just looks different than what you expect. Because you've been following these lies of this world, the philosophies of this world. Ravi Zacharias once stated, these days it's not just that the line between right and wrong has been made unclear. Today Christians are being asked by our culture today to erase the lines and move the fences back. And if that were not enough, if that were not bad enough, we are being asked to join in the celebration cry by those who have thrown off the restraints of quote-unquote religion and had imposed upon them. It's not just that they ask that we accept the darkness, but now they're demanding us to celebrate in it. Can I get an amen, people? Is, is that not what's going on right now? It's not even a matter of you, hey, can you accept it? I want you to celebrate and revel in it. That's dark, you guys. Like, Sam, how, how do people, I mean, it's so frustrating. Man, I work with a coworker. All he listens to is political radio. And it's cool because I feel like I'm informed about a lot of things and I research them to make sure. But after a while... You listen to that long enough, you guys, you're like, no, we're toast. Why? Jesus. No, they won again, or this or that. And sometimes I just got to turn it off. I wait till he goes to lunch, I turn it off, and I just put on some praise and worship music. And I say, you know what, Jesus? It's all going according to plan, baby. You're the one that's in control. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you have the perfect president on the, in the White House. It doesn't matter if you have the perfect Congress. You can never legislate righteousness. Jesus said, if they rejected me, they're going to reject you. Jesus said, go out there and preach, right? If it was only by your cutesy Christianity posts, like, oh, I'm doing my devotional, click Instagram, devotional coffee, oatmeal. And, you know, and then everyone's going to be saved because you love them. You guys, no one showed more love than Jesus in works. If that were true, then everyone who came in contact with Christ would have converted and been a Christian and a believer. But no, many still rejected so he preached, and he preached anyway. And that's all he's asking you to do. 1 John 4, 5 through 6. 
they are from this world. Therefore, what they say is from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Anyone who knows God listens to us. Anyone who is not from God does not listen to us. From this, we know that the spirit of truth and the spirit of deception. Why does no one listen to me, Sam? I'm at my school, you know, and I'm like, hey, man, I just want to let you know that God loves you. Get off me, dude. What are you talking about God loving you? You know, they don't listen, Sam. You tell them anyway. Colossians 1.13. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the son he loves. The world is in need of a light, you guys. It needs some hope. It needs to see a glimmer of true hope. See, everyone's, we see and we hear the bad stuff that's happening and it's horrible and it's atrocious. But it's also waking up a lot of people, you guys. These Muslim countries that were so bound by this religion, all of a sudden Muslims are like, whoa, I didn't know this is what I signed up for. You know, like, I'm not about that. And they're like, well, it's in your book. I mean, it's like, well, I, did, I didn't know that's what it was about. And all of a sudden they're praying, they're like, oh, well, if you're real, Muhammad, show yourself to me. But Jesus, I'm gonna, if you're real, then show yourself to me. All of a sudden, Jesus shows up to them in a vision. All of a sudden they're seeing all these things that are like, oh, and that's huge for a Muslim. You're not hearing about the conversion. You're not hearing about the refugee camps and those Christians that would not bow and bend their knee. All of a sudden, all these people are looking to them like, whoa. Like, if they could stand and lose everything for this, there has to be something in it. What is this? What is this? You know what it is? It's a flicker of light. It's a flicker of hope. When you can't see the light, it simply means that you are blind. A seeing man does not need someone to prove that the light is there. He just simply sees it. I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I talk to people and I'm like, how can you not see what's going on? You want to equate things to jobs or healthcare or food or whatever it is. I mean, although those are real needs and they'll be satisfied, but once it's satisfied, the problem still exists. There's still sin. Why can't you see that this is a spiritual issue? Because they're blind. Ephesians 4, 17, Therefore I say this and testify in the Lord. You should no longer walk as the Gentiles walk in the futility of their thoughts. They are darkened in their understanding. They don't have illumination, you guys. Ephesians 5, 8, For you were once in darkness, but now you are in the light. Walk as children in the light. We see the darkness around our world. We're not oblivious to it. Who's oblivious to it? When lust is now substituted for love, perversion of truth and justice, both from the individual and the state, hello, it's not just individuals. We got go corrupt governments. We got all kinds of stuff happening. 
on both sides, the loss of respect for authority. And authority at a loss of integrity and honor. It used to be an honorable thing to be in authority. Do you guys find honor now in that? I live with the sheriff's officer. And with all this cop stuff happens, and I hear all this bowed mouthing of cops, it grieves my heart because I'm like, that is a lie that you are biting into because I live with one. He is not what you're saying. He's not out. You know what his biggest goal at the end of the day is? He, she sat me down. Sam, my biggest goal at the end of the day is to make it home to my wife and my kids. I want to see my kid win in his gymnastics thing. I want to see my kids excel and go into explorers or the guards or something like that. He loves his wife. He loves his kids. He loves his community. He loves his Lord. Think about that, you guys. But this world's trying to get us to the point where well, we hate all authority. We don't need authority. You guys, that authority that's there right now is the line of separation between chaos and order. I've been to third world countries where, Lord, please protect us because if I break my leg or someone comes and robs or attacks this compound right now, we're, we're, there's no help. There is no 911 in Haiti. You know, they're like, you know, like, good luck. Throw a mango at them or something. <laughs> it's, it's, it's some rough stuff out there. The world is ready, you guys, to awaken from this science fiction nightmare of non meaning, non direction, and abandonment. What do you mean, scientific nightmare? You guys. Who wants to believe that they were just goo? That I have this friend. I met him on a mission show. This is what makes it even sadder. Reconnected with him. Sat down with him. He says, yeah, man, I'm doing all this, like, you know, I'm doing all this humanitarian work. I started this organization in Mexico. And I was like, cool, man, what are you doing? Oh, we're taking clothes. We're providing scholarships, all this stuff in Mexico. I was like, awesome. I was just like, are you sharing the gospel with them? No. I was like, well, what happened? He's just like, well, about that. I don't think I'm a believer anymore. I was like, yeah, I just don't believe in absolutes. You know, I don't really, I believe you make your own purpose. And I even named the, the organization Create a Purpose. And I'm like, okay. So there is no purpose, so you have to create purpose to, to purposefully live for something. So could we logically conclude that if there is no purpose, then the purpose you created is pointless. You are just making someone, you are just giving someone a Cadillac ride to eternal damnation, is what you're saying, or to non-existence. I just sat there like, you're going to try to convert me, huh? Bro, if I can do that, I'd be going to every door of your apartment complex and knocking on the doors and be like, you need Jesus. You need Jesus. You know, and just converting people. But that's not my job. You know what I am going to do? I'm going to sit in this living room. I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to let the Holy Spirit deal with you. Because he's better at it than I am. I'm not going to preach to you. I'm just going to love on you, bro. You call me if you ever need anything. Next morning, me and my friend, you know, because he let us stay at his night, at his house. 
He's like, where are you guys going? I was like, dude, it's Sunday. Where are you going to church? He's just like, well, you know, you did come all this way. I'll just go to church with you. Oh, cool. You know, praise the Lord. You know, I don't know where it went from that, but just a little light, you guys. The light beckons. So we see here in verse 12. Dave, I didn't know what time you wanted me to go to, so. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we're good. All right. In verse 12, you guys, and uh, it says, Anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, a couple concepts that I want you to grasp here. And follow me here. Don't worry, we're almost done. That word, that term follow, what it infers is what? Direction. Come, follow me. Right? Dora the Explorer, follow me. You know, right? All right, cool, Dora. Like, where are we going? Girl, you, your parents know you're traveling like this? I mean, whatever. <laughs> and then it says, follow me. That term me, what it implies is a compatibility, a relationship. Follow me. What is this world longing for, you guys? Dude, I, I just want to know what this life is about. I want to know where I'm going. Dude, I just want to know that somebody cares and someone loves me. Oh, so what you are longing for is direction and relationship. Let me show you to someone that said, if you follow me, I'm going to show you exactly what you want. I have it. Everything that we are in Jesus is illuminated in Jesus, you guys. We are not darkened to the fact, well, we kind of know where we can't be 100% sure, but we're pretty sure on our skepticism of this evolutionary process. I'm pretty sure this is how we came to, but... We can't say definitively how we came to this. Oh, okay. But see, in Jesus, I know my origin, where I came from. We know our purpose. And we are given a destiny. In Jesus, your whole life is summed up. You know where you came from. You know your purpose in life. That you have one. That you were created for something. And that you're given a destiny. And that destiny is what we're all longing for. We either have the light, you guys, or we don't. See, the spiritual people challenged. They tried the legal loopholes. And Jesus' response is, I know who I am. He didn't wave. I'm pretty sure he just stood there. I know who I am. You don't know who I am. Micah 5.2, who am I? My goings forth are from everlasting. Everlasting. Who can be from everlasting? That's God. Isaiah 9.10, he will be named wonderful, counselor, mighty God, eternal what? Eternal father. Who can be named eternal father? Oh, that's right. Messiah, God. Revelation, I am the alpha and the... Omega. See, the objections of the blind 
do not negate the truth. There's a story about a man who stood up, and there's this place called Hyde Park in England where people just stand up on their soapbox and they can preach or say anything. You know, it's kind of like this debate outward thing. And uh, he goes and he stands up and he says, they say there's a God. I don't see him. They say there's a Jesus. I never seen him. They say there's a heaven. I've never seen it. There is no God, no heaven, no Jesus. Steps off his soapbox. This other dude comes up there with his nice lopes, sunglasses, stands up on the stage, and he's like, they say there's a sky. I don't see it. They say there's a lake in front of us. I don't see it. They say there's a crowd in front of me. I don't see them. I am blind. He steps off with his walking stick. The objections of the blind will never negate the truth. Yes, the protests of the world seem to be silencing the truth of the gospel. The world's darkness may be appeared to be quenching the light. But if you listen closely, in the thick of it, in the pit, people are not reciting Voltaire. The addict who's addicted to drugs or alcohol or cannot maintain a relationship, they're not sitting there contemplating the Darwin evolution theory or saying the words of Darwin help me overcome my substance abuse, reconciled my relationship with my wife or my family. No, those words have no power. They never cleared up a depression. The light of Jesus is still in full effect. The darkness can never dim it. Jesus even said, and on this rock I will build my church and not even the gates of hell shall prevail in it. The light establishes its claim not by writing papers but by simply doing what it's supposed to do, shine. In Christ we bear the DNA of heaven. And what is that? That is light. So light your torches Stand up, dust yourself off, let this world dim all at once because you're going to do what you were born to do, and that's shine. I want to end with the song lyrics to one of my favorite songs and to encapsulate, although it seems like the world is winning, remember this, the moon and stars, they wept, the morning sun was dead, the savior of the world was falling, his body on the cross. His blood poured out for us. The weight of every curse was broken. One final breath he gave as heaven looked away. The son of God was laid in darkness. And a battle in the grave. The war on death was waged. And the power of hell forever broken. The ground began to shake. The stone was rolled away, and his perfect love could not become overcome. Now death, where is your sting? Our resurrected king has rendered you defeated. So forever he is glorified, forever he is lifted high, forever he is risen, he is alive. And if you're here today, and you've been playing this game, what side are you on?
You're either on, in the light or you're not. You were born in darkness. You were born with sin. But Jesus loved you enough that he wants to have an eternal relationship with you. So he created a way for you to step from darkness into light. And that's his name is Jesus. He paved the way to that so you can have a destiny and a hope. And if you want to know that today, you know, speak to one of us. I'm going to give a time after we pray if you want. Actually, let's pray right now, you guys. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for your word, Lord, to instill in us, Father, that you are still in control. Lord, may our light so shine, Father, that this world sees a hope. Father, we just pray, Lord, that you empower and embolden your people to not give way, to not give in to things of the flesh, Father, Lord, to, to not look at this world as the world sees it, Lord. Lord, I pray, and right now I ask if there's anyone here that wants to accept the Lord, to know this light personally. Just lift up your hand and give me a thumbs up or give me a wave. Maybe there's those of you who have been playing the game of church. Christianity was just a cute thing to you. A bunch of sayings, a bunch of words. But if you want it to be this powerful, illuminating thing in your life, like I need more of that. I need more of your light, Jesus. Then go ahead and lift up your hands, too. I see you in the back. Father, right now I pray for those that lift up their hands, Lord, and in their hearts they're praying and seeking and longing to be empowered, Father, Lord, to, to have your spirit stir and convict, Father, the areas, Lord, that they need to surrender to you, Father, so they may be more effective for your kingdom. Bless this church, Father, Lord. May we be united, Lord, locked arm in arm, Father, Lord, attacking, Father, Lord, in love, Lord, in faith, Father, Lord. Father, Lord, with all of our lights together, Father, we can illuminate, Lord. Lord, you're not done with this world yet, Lord, because if you were, we would have all been gone with you already, Father. So may we play our part, Father. We thank you, and we ask, Lord, for your continued provision, direction, Lord, and clarity, Lord, in our lives. We pray all this.